Churchpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith-related. Churchpreneur's vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneur's hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond their own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church and theology, hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and personal growth in Christ. I have a special guest today, a special treat, actually. Today, my guest is Holly Pivik. She holds a master's degree from Biola University in Apologetics was the managing editor for Biola Magazine, was contributing editor to the Christian Research Journal. Uh, she's authored two books with uh, Professor Dr. Douglas Guyvet called A New Apostolic Reformation, question mark, a biblical response to a worldwide movement, and the more concise book uh, with the same theme about the teaching of the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, called God's Super Apostles. Encountering the Worldwide Prophets and Apostles Movement. Holly's a homeschool mom. Uh, I'm a homeschool kid myself, <laughs> so we have that in common. And uh, she married a pastor, and they live in Alaska together and minister there together. Um, welcome, Holly, uh, to Church Manures. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Oh, thanks so much for Richard for asking me to be on your show. And I've, I've really been looking forward to this and just having a conversation with uh, another um, expert on the new apostolic reformation and looking forward to it here. Oh, wait a minute. Are we both experts under one roof? This is going to be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So exactly. Let's jump right in. Uh, Holly, first of all, I have to thank you publicly then too, for giving me a quote from my book uh, on divergent <laughs> theology. Uh, that was a big help. You are, I, in my opinion, uh, you are the expert on the NAR. Um, one of the the experts, especially in just understanding and explaining the scope of the movement. So you wrote the book with uh, Doug Guyvet, um, A New Apostolic Reformation, a question mark. I like that. That's subtle. Um, <laughs> and uh, you've also written this other uh, amended version, which is also very good. I've read these books several times. And uh, they're sort of like always kind of come back on top of the pile in my Kindle. Uh, so it's been always a super, super helpful. Um, it, it's, it is the tour de force. Uh, I really don't. I'm not trying to, to pile on here, but it is the tour de force as far as the NAR goes. You have 568 endnotes. Um, most mm -hmm. doctoral theses don't have such a, a, a really a, a research bend to them. You did such a thorough, excellent job on this book, you and Doug. And, and just I want to thank you, first of all. So mm -hmm. so really thanks for doing the heavy lifting, so to speak, mm -hmm. to help us understand what this movement is. So uh, yeah. if you could just give us, start us off here in our discussion um, by giving us a simple description of what the New Apostolic Reformation is and why do you think the leaders of this movement um, oh, let me ask that question. That's a follow-up question. So let's just define it and then um, mm -hmm. let's go from there. Okay, so this movement, it's a fast-growing global movement. 
of churches that would say that uh, all churches should be governed by present day apostles and prophets. And so not pastors and elders, they do have pastors and elders, but the highest offices in the church should be uh, apostles and uh, prophets. And the reason is uh, they would say that that it, the analogy they give us like a hand with only three fingers. We've had pastors, evangelists, and teachers, but we've been missing the apostles and prophets. And those are the only two offices that, that they would say are authorized by God to bring new revelation to the church. And this is critical new revelation that, that the church at large needs to complete the Great Commission, which has been redefined as a commission to uh, bring God's kingdom to earth, to set up God's uh, physical kingdom on earth. And so they would say they have the new revelations that will allow Christians to develop miraculous powers, even greater miraculous powers than Jesus had, and then use those miraculous powers to um, set up God's kingdom on earth, to defeat high-ranking demonic spirits that are uh, controlling different geographical regions, and and to use their spoken words to to you know call heaven down to earth and. And so that that's the, they're raising up a, an army. They're seeking to raise up an army of miracle workers, basically to set up God's kingdom on earth through their new revelations. Now, let me jump in there. Uh, they, uh, these apostles, they claim that the, the people, the, they'll release uh, the supernatural power for those to do greater works than Jesus. Of course, they're quoting that scripture, greater works uh, will mm-hmm. you do. Um, who's done greater works than Jesus? And, you know, that's so, yes, their interpretation of John 14, 12 is that the, the greater works Jesus promised his followers would, would not only be miracles, but they would be more spectacular miracles yeah. than Jesus worked or more amazing miracles. And but, um, you know, Bible scholars are, are unanimous. New Testament scholars, you know, scholars of the book of John are unanimous uh, virtually that um, the the works that Jesus promised his followers, um, even if they don't exclude miracles, even if they do include miracles, that there's there's no way to to understand that versus promising that the miracles would be greater as in more spectacular or more awe-inspiring than the miracles that Jesus worked. Because yeah. what could possibly be more awe-inspiring than raising the dead or giving sight to the blind or calming storms, you know? Walking on water. Uh... Right uh fish going having peter uh fish uh fish out of the water with a coin in his mouth i mean things like that i I don't know uh and yeah that's the that's the thing uh who has done greater miracles than jesus i mean just in number in number or in scope nobody in human history i mean so i'm gonna push back on you because because we're we're both experts in this no way so yeah that's not even happened in human history so that claim is uh bunk let's say all right so that's the scope thanks for that what um so let's say let's take bill johnson for instance he's the kind of a good cross-section of the movement other other uh nar leaders as i'm aware have also denied that first of all that that this movement exists secondly that they're a part um Help us understand that. What? Why do they deny that it exists? Secondly, and secondly, what? Why do they deny being a part? Do you have any idea on that? Right. So first, I want to be clear that New Apostolic Reformation is a name for this movement of churches that are seeking to restore apostles, governing apostles and prophets. 
it was coined by C. Peter Wagner, who has passed away, but he was a leading apostle in this movement, formulated a lot of the theology of the movement. And it was actually used by some leaders within the movement, such as the Apostle Cheon. Um, However, you're right that um, many leaders within this movement will either deny that they're part of the New Apostolic Reformation or will say they don't really know what the New Apostolic Reformation is. They're not sure if they're part of it because they don't really know what it even is. Um, And I would say that, um, you know, this when we use the term movement, we're not saying that there's a single organization that mm-hmm. is the new apostolic reformation people need to be clear on that what it is is it's a set of beliefs and if you hold to that set of beliefs if you believe that there are governing apostles and prophets and they must govern the church today to bring their new revelations and then um then that you you are part of the new apostolic reformation and that's just a movement that's been um observed by church growth researchers uh and sociologists um, so there's no question that there's this movement in, in the sense of a set of a group of people who hold to this set of beliefs about apostles and prophets. Why exactly. would people want to distance themselves from this movement? I think because a lot of, you know, a lot of church leaders that are part of this movement don't want to be considered outside of the mainstream of evangelicalism. Uh, they, you know, and so they don't want a label put on them that is controversial um because uh they want to just be seen as as being part of the mainstream of evangelicalism and so and they know it's a controversial movement so they of course don't want to be associated with it yeah so i mean you've got you've got several things happening here you've got uh, people like uh, dr michael brown he would he would say that it doesn't exist it's not a thing we have uh, authors and leaders in the movement, like C. Peter Wagner, who wrote the book himself, "Apostles Today." I've got I've got my uh, my smorgasbord of of uh, books here today. Uh, you mentioned this one recently, "Modern Day Apostles." Mm-hmm. Shayan mm-hmm. wrote the book um, and claimed claimed clearly in this book that this is a movement initiated by C. Peter Wagner and named it again a new mm-hmm. apostolic reformation. So mm-hmm. the critics, so I would say, I guess uh, we belong to the to the critic group, right? <laughs> we uh, critique the movement, and the movement exists. There's no question about it. It's written about, uh, these are three books, only the three. I've got the rest over here on a stack. Um, but, uh, you know, C. Peter Wagner himself wrote on it often um, and coined the phrase. Then uh, Cheon in this, this book, um, this was uh published in 2010, The Reformers Pledge. So they are hoping to uh, create a reformation. I'll, I'll give the names on here. Bill Johnson's written a chapter here, Lance Wall now, Chuck Pierce, Heidi Baker, Wagner, Lou Engel, John, James Gall, Cindy Jacobs, etc. So they mm-hmm. are claiming a reformation, The Reformers Pledge. Here's our pledge in reforming uh, this movement. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's. Do you think it's about plausible deniability? What, do you, what, why could why would they deny being a part when they write books on it? It's public record. Why deny it? Well, it's uh, you know as I was saying, it's um, it, it more and more people are becoming aware of this movement and the aberrant teachings and practices associated with it, and so I, I think that's a reason they would like to distance themselves. Uh, from the label and I it's hard critique. to, yeah. it's, you can't critique something really if you don't have a label for it. 
And mm-hmm. I think, and, um, but we need, it's important to have a label because here's the thing. There are a lot of people today who believe in lowercase a apostles, as you know, and that's the idea that there are apostles who are like missionaries and church planners. And, um, and I would say in the new Testament, we see that there was a range of apostles. There were governing apostles. That was Christ, the, the apostles of Christ, the 12 and Paul. And then there were other apostles. The word apostle had a range of meaning and they were more yeah. like missionaries and church planners, what many people call lowercase a apostles. And so of course, I don't dispute that Doug and I don't dispute that there are missionaries and church planners today, people that you might call lowercase a apostles. Right. Um, although I don't think the use of the word is, I think it creates a lot of confusion to use the word apostle today. So I would recommend staying away from it personally. But right. that being said, um, we don't dispute the notion of lowercase a apostles, uh, but it's the uppercase a apostles, uh, people that claim to have extraordinary authority to hold a governing formal office in the church. Um, that's what the label, the new apostolic reformation label serves to distinguish between those who are talking about lowercase a apostles and those who are talking about uppercase a apostles and, and you need to define your terms. And, and so this label is very helpful in that sense. So let's, let's get down to that. So the apostolos in the Greek would be sent one. Yeah. As we understand it. Um, so what in your estimation is the difference between apostles and prophets? So it's not, this movement is not just built on apostles, but it's called the new apostolic reformation from C. Peter Wagner, but it's built on the Mm -hmm. thought that the governmental authority and, and she on has said that in his book clearly, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. as, it's as clear and black and white as possible that Mm -hmm. the governmental authority of churches belongs and not just churches but networks and networks of networks right mm-hmm. um belongs to apostles and prophets what do we what is your estimation is the difference between their definition of apostles and prophets and what we understand as the apostolic gifting um it's right. obvious in Ephesians 4 right uh, mm-hmm. it's it, it, in the context of that passage it's gifts yeah so tell right. us about that what's your idea on that Right. So, right. In Ephesians 4, it talks about, you know, Christ has given the church apostles, prophets, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, Some people, especially Pentecostals and Charismatics, like to refer to that as the fivefold ministry or fivefold ministry gifts. And um, historically, what Pentecostals and Charismatics would say is that these are gifts God has given to edify the church. Um, but they're not governing it. This verse isn't saying anything about formal governing offices, like hierarchical offices. And I agree with that, that these are not the passage says nothing about formal governing offices in the church. Right. That's yeah. a key passage that is that is the key passage that is used by leaders in this movement to promote the governing offices of apostle and prophet. And Doug and I always try to be really clear. We are not critiquing um historic uh, Pentecostal charismatic teaching. Uh, The idea Mm -hmm. that there are people today who have a miraculous gift of prophecy where they can give words of edification or encouragement that are inspired by God to individuals or even to churches. We're not disputing that. We're not disputing that there are apostles in the sense of missionaries or church planners. What we're disputing is what goes way beyond that. And what many Pentecostals and charismatics themselves are very concerned about is the NAR teaching that all churches must have the governing offices of apostle and prophet or outside or else they're outside of a god's biblical government 
and they won't be able to really fulfill uh, the church's mission on earth. And uh, Bill Johnson at Bethel Church of Reading, it actually states on their website under their page, Our Mission, that we embrace the biblical government of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So it definitely is um, about, it's it's a government governing issue, and it's really an authority issue is what this all boils down to. So uh, that brings me to the question then um, with governmental authority of churches, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't biblical organizational leadership of churches, elders, deacons, pastors, as found in First Timothy 3, Titus 1, mm-hmm. and other New Testament directions? You know, Ephesians 4, it talks about gifts. It's obvious. I mean, I actually heard a sermon. I was at church this, this Sunday, and the sermon was on the gifts. And actually, mm-hmm. the, the text is clear for in Ephesians 4, gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so what isn't that the biblical pattern of, of church organizational government? Right. As, as the original apostles of Christ were passing away, they knew they were, you know, be dying and passing mm-hmm. away. What they, what they put in scripture is they, they explained how to appoint elders and deacons. And that's what they did. And there are no instructions at all given in the new Testament for appointing apostles, um, um, and so um, the passages they cite, Ephesians 4.11 and uh, another one, Ephesians 2.20, referring to apostles and prophets being the foundation of the church, that looks back to the beginnings of the church. So that verse can't be properly used to support NARTC. Can't build, can't build another foundation than once already right. built. The foundation's been built by the 12 apostles who wrote the scripture. Okay. Exactly. Right. And so um, and so I guess what I'm saying is, yes, I agree with you that that what we see clearly in the New Testament is the offices that were established were uh, elders, deacons. And um, and um, so to say that um, all churches through all generations must be governed by apostles and prophets, that just simply cannot be supported by the scripture. I mean, you would think there would be a few more instances of them describing how to carry on apostles within the New Testament text if that Mm -hmm. were the governmental organizational leadership. Of, and so that, that, that's actually, I mean, you know, when you take Bethel's statement, the word government is Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing we dispute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, it's that these are formal governing offices that all churches, all Christians, must submit to and they they clearly say that um in um in um Cheon's book he talks about you know christians submitting to the authority of apostles um and and so they don't always directly say leaders like bill johnson don't always directly say that all churches must submit to apostles but it's it's a clear implication of their teaching because they talk a lot about spiritual covering and the need for all churches and Christians to come in alignment with the apostles and prophets to be under their, their spiritual covering. And because if they do so, they'll receive the blessings and the protection that come from being under the covering of the apostles. And so these are all teachings. There's real psychological, spiritual pressure for people to make Absolutely. sure they're under the covering of these apostles. I, was, I have to say, I was there. I was recently at Bethel in January. And you're absolutely right. There's you're a thousand percent correct. 
Uh, they believe this. They believe that you ought to, uh, Chris Valentine was speaking when I was there in January, and basically, if I can summarize his, his talk, it mm-hmm. was the DNA of our movement. He said that from the beginning. We're, I'm here to, uh, w- once in a while, we need to kind of re-go back and talk about the DNA of our movement. And the DNA of our movement is that Jesus uh, revealed to him personally. He had an encounter with Jesus. I'd heard this many times before, but Jesus had an, came to him, visited him, visited him personally, <laughs> and told him that we're moving away <laughs> from denominationalism, and that denominationalism is like the Jezebel spirit mm-hmm. in his vision, Jesus said uh-huh. to him that denominations are like the concubine in mm-hmm. the old Testament and mm-hmm. the concubine had a relationship with the King, but wasn't in covenant with the King. Mm-hmm. So you take his thoughts to their, mm-hmm. to their logical conclusion. Denominations have not had a covenantal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if he means ever or whatever, or if that, you know, but mm-hmm. that we're moving now toward covenantal relationships with apostles and prophets. I've been, I've covenanted myself. This is what he said. These are his words. I've covenanted myself to Bill 20 mm. plus years ago. I'm his prophet. He's my covenantal apostle. Mm-hmm. You can covenant under us and we'll be your apostolic covering. You are not wrong. Anybody who says you <laughs> tries mm-hmm. to critique you and say you're not right in this assessment of the new NAR, you're correct. They believe it. They confirmed it um, when I was there in January. It's and it's uh, more and more. I hear it more and more from others. So to, mm-hmm. for them to say it doesn't exist is just it's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's move on. Sorry, I, I had my little diatribe there. I had to get it in. <laughs> um, Let's move on. Uh, I just want to ask you, so, so this book, I, I, I found a few others uh, in the meantime, right? But this one hit me. Isn't this the smoking gun? Holly? Yeah, this book, you know, I always say um, for anybody who doubts that what we're saying, that Doug and I are saying, that what you're saying is true, that the uh, that this is what NAR leaders are actually teaching. I tell them, go to this book, Modern Day Apostles, yeah. written by Cheon. He's one of the, the he oversees an apostolic network of 25,000 churches and organizations in like 65 nations. Massive, um, massive influence. Um, and he's seen as the apostle over all of those churches and organizations. And he that book says everything that we're saying about needing to submit to apostles, that the apostles give revelation, including revelation for the church at large, um, that God is restoring apostles to the church. This is a lost truth that's being restored. Um, he identifies the leaders that that you've already identified, many of them as being key leaders in this movement. Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, John Arnott, right. Randy Clark, James Gohl, Chris Ballatin, Cindy Jacobs, Lou Engel. Um, so this book really, and, and Bill Johnson actually wrote, um, the forward. Yeah. (laughs) If I, could I read a quote by Bill Johnson in that book? I wanted to read this on my uh, remnant radio interview the other day. Come on. We're going to bring all the stuff. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) Um, this is the modern day apostles pages 13 and 14. This is Bill Johnson in the forward. I'm going to turn there with you. 13 or 14. Okay. And as I read this, I want people to think about, is he talking about, is Bill Johnson talking about lowercase a apostles here or uppercase a apostles? Okay. We are in an hour where God is restoring the apostle in a way that reflects his beauty, 
while avoiding the pitfalls of prior generations. One of the evidences of this is the rising water level for the miraculous in the church. This is just a byproduct of the restoration of that gift. Years ago, Bob Jones said, Bob Jones, he's a very in influential prophet. Who also away. prophesied that uh, Kansas City, if Kansas City won the uh, Super Bowl this year, yes. they, and they did last year, that there would be a world global awakening. But yes, uh, that hasn't that's happened right. yet, as I understand. Years ago, Bob Jones said, I am waiting for the full release of the apostolic gift. I won't be able to work in the fullness of the miracle realm that God has called me to until the apostle is in his place. This was a man who experienced the supernatural in an astounding way, and yet he said that there was an element missing. He felt that until the apostolic was restored, there was a level of the miraculous that was not going to be released into the world. New wine cannot be poured into an old wineskin. The infrastructure of heaven needs to be in place to sustain a full outpouring of God's presence. So in other words, you know, the until apostles are restored to the church in their proper place, there's a level of the miraculous that will not be released into the world. And of course, they would say that this needs to be released because this miracle working army needs to rise up so it can set up God's kingdom on earth and complete the Great Commission. And so is that is he talking about little a? apostles there or is this you know is this uppercase a apostles here i, I mean think I, it's I think pretty it's clear, clear. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean uh so it's almost like though with, with bob jones's words i mean bob jones uh is a sketchy character by himself but um with his words it's almost like he's saying there was nothing god's kingdom hadn't been here but till now um and when the apostles come then finally god's kingdom's gonna come mm -hmm. onto this earth uh, Jesus, the original 12 apostles and the church, mm -hmm. church history. Mm -hmm. I'm reading Jan Huss right now. I mean, like, are you kidding me to say that these guys, these reformers, the, the original reformers in history and stuff weren't, didn't, can, can that, can they mean that? Well, they, it's a restorationist movement. So a restorationist movement, they're saying that they are restoring truths, pivotal truths that have been lost by the church since right. the beginning that basically the first second generation of christians had they were lost and one of these truths is that apostles and prophets need to govern the church um so um this they're restoring these truths and and so to say it's pretty astounding to claim that through the centuries christians have been missing these truths and, and they've been floundering and haven't been able to complete the great commission and now they're restoring the truths the question then it comes is: Has the gospel been preached? Has the has have people been saved? If they haven't heard or understood the truths from the revelations from apostles, mm -hmm. could people have even been saved all at all? Mm -hmm. That that's my that, that comes to me immediately. Like mm -hmm. oh, this is an elitist movement. Anyways, so uh, in your book you cite uh, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary's estimates uh, mm -hmm. of the NAR and how and its scope. Um, that mm -hmm. it's the you say it's the fastest growing segment of non-Catholic uh, Christianity worldwide. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give us? Uh, and you also say that there's about 66 million people in America that are uh, exposed, let's say, in some mm -hmm. significant contact to NAR mm -hmm. teaching and 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 reach. Uh, try to describe and give us a scope of the of the right. of the movement. Yes. Uh, so Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary has something called the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. And this is a place that compiles, they do the World Christian Database. They compile the stats for for the size of different denominations and, and Christian movements. They're really the experts on this. They yeah. would say that within the United States alone, 
3.5 million Americans attend churches that are part of apostolic networks and overtly embrace the NAR vision. So that means these churches are have have chosen to come under the authority of an apostle and be part of an apostolic network. Um, but that, in addition to that, in the United States, uh, you have about 66 million. Uh, I believe that number was for the neo charismatics, and so mm -hmm. Pentecostals, charismatics. Um, all of these people uh, uh, attend churches where the teachings have made inroads in varying degrees. And so not all Pentecostal charismatic churches, you know, have significant NAR influence and AR influence, but many of them do um, because right. they're inviting the, the leaders in to speak. They're reading their books. They're, you know, going to their conferences. They're going to Bethel to get training. And so, and, and so worldwide though, as you said, um, many, many millions more, especially in the global South, Africa, Asia, Latin yeah, America. Yeah, tell us about the church in the South. The, you, you mentioned the, mm -hmm. the largest church in the world in, in, in Africa. Can you give us a scope of that church? Yeah, you know, honestly, I would have to look back at the book, too. That was EA, EA Adeboye's and, church, yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't remember the exact. It's, it's a huge, though. It was, uh, it was I know a, someone who's been there uh, shooting video for that church, and he said it's just, like, as far as the eye can see, literally, uh -huh. a huge tent. Anyways, yeah, so the scope yeah. is the Global South has taken a hold of yes. this as well. Do you think we've exported it, uh, us, Amer us Americans, uh Oh, we, we definitely are. I've been contacted by people from all over the world talking about Bill Johnson and yeah. Bethel Church, the teachings that are coming in to South Africa, to um, our books are being translated into Russian. One of our books is being because, oh, yes, because Perfect. this movement is so significant in Russia. I mean, so yes, definitely um, these teachings are being ex uh, exported I'll, from apostles and prophets in the U.S. I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, for instance how how big it's become. Um, Bill Johnson claimed here he was speaking here in Ludenscheid in Germany mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, at one of the main centers, and he said that more students attend Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry than any other nationality. Wow! And right behind that is Swiss people, and I have a, mm -hmm. a, a theory about that why. Um, you have Germans growing up in a loveless society, and then you go there and you get love bombed. You mm. know, um, there's a certain, there, there's a saying in German: uh, no, no uh, complaining is praise enough. So if you don't complain, then you know. So mm. kids grow up in this environment, mm -hmm. sort of a dead religion. You know, you have church towers everywhere in Germany, mm. but it's sort of stale right they go to bed it's just like exciting there's this excitement their music is so awesome etc so that's my theory on it but uh i could be wrong uh so moving on to the theological characteristics so this is a hugely global movement and it's affecting people, but it does have a certain theological characteristic, does, does it not? Uh, what are some of those things, if you could uh, give us right. some, some pointers? Right. So you're right. So different NAR churches and NAR leaders have different emphases sure. and they all agree that present, that apostles and prophets should be governing churches today. That's the core defining uniting belief that, you know, unites them all. The thing that's interesting though, is different apostles and prophets will claim to have received different revelations. So at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, where Mike Bickle is, 
you know, he claims the revelations he's received to have to do with, you know, establishing this global bridegroom fast that millions of Christians are to take part in or the 24-7 prayer rooms that he received revelation about through the prophet Bob Jones to set up those around the world. You know, mm-hmm. over at Bethel, though, you know, Bill Johnson em- emphasizes different teachings. It could be his kenosis teaching that Jesus did all of his miracles as a man dependent on the Holy spirit and did not make use of his divine powers. And so they all have kind of their own different flavors, I would say, but, mm-hmm. the, but what they have in common is the belief apostles and prophets must govern the church so they can bring their critical new revelations. And, and, and then the practices can vary a little bit because the revelations vary a little bit. So how those play out can, can have a little different flavor at different churches. So we're talking about extra biblical revelation um, uh, things like hosting the presence. This is a big thing with Bethel, mm-hmm. uh, new age and occult like practices. I mean, I was mm-hmm. there visiting Bethel and I, I thought I'd just, you know, extreme charismatic sort of type tendencies, but it was worse than I thought. I couldn't believe it. I was so floored, I, demonic uh, manifestations everywhere. Um, uh, people laying on the floor, Gnosticism, uncovering secrets, are these tendencies you've seen as well in some places? Oh, yes, definitely. There's an emphasis with uh, some apostles and prophets that that they like they'll claim to take trips to heaven where they receive secrets of heaven and um, these very esoteric kind of experiences. Yeah. Um, and and as you said at Bethel, so at Bethel Church in Reading, they real they have their Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. People come from around the world, young people, especially to be trained there, and they come to learn to work miracles. And right. so that's really the emphasis or the flavor at Bethel Reading is training people to learn to work miracles, starting uh, supernatural schools of ministry. And within that, there are a lot of um, practices that look more like new age and occult practices than anything uh, we can find in the Bible. I bring the the book, The Physics of Heaven, up because it's a Bethel-produced resource. Um, Is this also not some sort of smoking gun? Have you you read it? Yes. Yes, I have read it. And so um, I believe the foreword is is written by Chris Valentin and Bill and Benny John, Bill Johnson and his wife, Benny, both contributed chapters. And um, that book is startling in the uh, new age and occult practices that that it promotes. And it's been sold in the Bethel bookstore for years, you know, since it came out. And so I know there's been some attempt to to distance Bethel from this book. But I think that's uh, very difficult to do, given the the role of the the Bethel significant role of the Bethel leaders and contributing to the book and, and continuing to sell the book through their bookstore. It's a whole lot of crazy, I must say. Can we just be honest and say that it's it is the cra- it's the craziest thing I've ever read that tries to put itself off as Christian. I mean, it's nuts. Revelations, Bob Jones chapter himself, he said that the Holy Spirit uh his presence smells like apples. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's there. It's right in in black and white ink. Uh, anyways, all right. <laughs> the chapter, the chapter by Jonathan Welton is, is, is really st- disturbing to the practices. Disturbing. He promotes, uh, you know, reading auras and, um, I think telepathy and, you know, all kinds of practices that he basically a major premise of that book is that, uh, new agers stole their their practices and occultists stole their practices from Christians. And these are the lo- some of the lost truths 
that need to be restored. And uh, we're to, taking them back. And take it yeah. reclaimed. Yeah. yeah re, uh, redeemed and reclaimed and taken back. So the church will have the, you know, what it needs to uh, fulfill its mission on earth. That's ex- incredibly startling. I mean, there's no new age practice. New age practice does not belong to Christianity, period. So I'm going to say it. It's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I, I saw your, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I saw your uh, media day. You went, you appeared at uh, Christian Media Day or something like that uh, so, with no, James I, Gall. Yeah, actually, it wasn't a Christian event. It was put on by okay, the religion. Yeah. It was put on by the Religion News Association, which is the big association for all the religion reporters. Okay. At like all the major media, secular media. So there were re- a couple hundred reporters there from all the major media outlets throughout the United States, um, Washington Post, you know, um, you name it, just all these. And there were Christian organizations there, too, like Christianity Today had an editor there. But um, I was asked to speak at a panel. It was called The New Revivalist. And it was basically it was about the new apostolic reformation. James Gold, who's a leading prophet in this movement, closely associated with Bethel Church, he was on the panel. I was on the panel. And then Paula White, uh, President Trump's spiritual advisor, yeah. was also on the panel. And right. um, so it was kind of a kind of a debate, but a, in an academic kind of panel kind of debate right. way. And um, yeah, that was I, I thought it was so funny. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you started talking and, and basically 20 minutes in, James Call looks at you like, wait, what? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was so caught off guard. Uh, you didn't speak hellfire and brimstone. You didn't mock. Mm-hmm. You didn't do like most discernment ministry folks and just kind of uh, run people down or whatever. Um, you were clear though it, that this movement is aberrant. This is what mm-hmm. is taught. And he was just like a little bit caught off. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> so I thought it was funny, but that was great mm-hmm. too. And and then, uh, you know, Paula White and her shenanigans, uh, it just, it, it's so wild. She sat down and Anyways, uh, you did a great job. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So in Germany, uh, the dangers of Bethel and the NAR are pretty clear. Uh, Bill Johnson uh, has spoken here often. The, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries are cropping up everywhere. Uh, you know, revival schools, etc. Mm-hmm. Here and in Switzerland. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's wild, you know, people are, are being affected by it. Churches are being split long mm-hmm. time. Jesus loving Christians are <clears throat> like, wait, what, you know, um, mm-hmm. just with the things that are happening, the things that are being taught, what are the dangers, um, of mm-hmm. kids? You know, I have, I have teenagers that I'm, that I minister to, mm-hmm. that I, uh, that I disciple and mentor, and they have friends. They themselves mm-hmm. are affected by this thing. They're going to Bethel. I mm-hmm. know at least a dozen kids who are in Bethel this fresh this year, mm-hmm. students of super at the Supernatural Ministry School, mm-hmm. Supernatural Ministry, um, that have left and gone to Bethel from Germany. Mm-hmm. What, what would you warn? Why? Why should they not go there? Well, um, so yeah, you're right. This is, so Doug and I are contacted by parents, uh, sharing similar stories that you've shared with me of, of, um, my kid got caught up in Bethel teachings. Uh, they moved to Reading to, to live near Bethel and go to Bethel. And now they won't even talk to our family. It's just totally split our family. 
Um, this actually is not an uncommon story and it's very concerning. And, and um, so the dangers are that their kids are going to get caught up with um, some aberrant, I mean, spiritually dangerous teachings and practices that are, uh, it, we, I, we talk in our books about uh, the, the 5Ds. I think we might have 4Ds in our book. I've added one, okay. the, five D, the five dangers of, of getting caught up with these teachings. And one is dependency, dependency on the apostles and prophets, because the apostles yep. and prophets claim that they have the keys to everything, the revelation that, that you need for how to understand the Bible how to, how to find God's will for your life, how to fulfill your destiny, to receive healing, to learn to work miracles, to be rid yeah. of demonic influence that might be holding you back in life. All of these things, the apostles and prophets, uh, the followers of the apostles and prophets are dependent on the apostles and prophets for the revelation for these things. So dependency is one. Disillusionment, wow. people get disillusioned when the promises of the apostles and prophets don't pan out, when the healing doesn't occur or when they can't learn to work miracles, even though they went to the school and they've spent their life, you know, trying to learn to work miracles and doing all the things. Like for instance, all the COVID, all the COVID declarations lately have not panned Mm -hmm. out, so to speak. Um, I I can't see how people aren't disillusioned by that right now. Like it's so Mm -hmm. bizarre to me. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It's been a bad year. It's been a very (laughs) bad year for Bethel prophets uh, and, and a lot of prophets because of COVID making yeah. decrees and declarations that that would end and it hasn't happened. Uh, and they started off the year in December, right before December, you know, in, in December uh, with their de- decrees at Olive, the little girl Olive would be raised oh, from the dead. That was so sad. And, and that, you know, fiasco really. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So disillusionment. T- tell us what that was. The, the uh, Olive, w- wake up Olive. Yeah. I, I guess people know about that, but yeah. for those who don't know, just kind of fill that out a minute. So before Christmas in 2019, um, one of the worship leaders, little two-year-old daughter just died unexpectedly. I think it was like in her sleep. And, um, and so the church basically mobilized its followers worldwide to begin decreeing. I mean, uh, uh, they believe that their spoken words can create reality. So decreeing with their words that uh, this little girl would rise from the dead. And they spent almost a week uh, making these decrees and it was publicized that made all like tons of major media outlets were following the story. So it was just being publicized worldwide. Mm-hmm. And after about six days, I think they gave up and, you know, they had a funeral for her and they had to admit that, that it didn't happen. Um, but um, so that, that's one example. Of, Don't you just become dis, I mean, can't that only bring disillusionment if, if, if God has, given us the authority and the power to make decrees and declarations. Mm-hmm. Uh, shouldn't he just, he, he just do it. Yeah. They would claim that God has given Christians the authority, like, like the similar to the way God spoke in Genesis and, and created that we have a similar authority and, um, or they that's, will say that's, that. That's word of de- faith the- theology, yes. right? That's, that's it, just yeah. speak it into existence, whatever mm-hmm. you want. Uh, I'd like a Porsche. I think I just speak it into existence. Doesn't it just show up right there then if I do that? Yeah. Sorry, well, they would listen. they would say, you know, that it has to align with God's will. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they would they would say that. Um, but prosperity teaching is also a part of their theology, too. You know, so mm-hmm. um, 
So you probably could decree that a Porsche would show up, <laughs> but they, they also, so, and in, in they've also, there was that big car fire that happened. C-A-R-R. Oh, they yeah. called it was in Reading. Uh, they were making decrees against that. I think that was like in the summer of 2018. That's right. It's been two years and, ago now or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that fire that, that killed people and destroyed so many homes in Reading and all their decrees couldn't stop that. So um, they've had a really bad run. Um, so, so disillusionment and, oh, and the election, uh, we yep. can't forget that the, the prophecies and the decrees that president Trump would win the U S election. Those um, were everywhere in the NAR because of their dominion, dominionism angle, um, mm-hmm. and the seven mountain mandate. They want to take over the governmental, uh, mountain. Right. Um, that's a Lance wall now, uh, sort of mm-hmm. theology creation, Mm-hmm. Um, the, the government mountain. And so Trump just fits. He's conservative. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of conservative Christians would agree with some of his, th- his, his policies. Mm-hmm. And so th- there was a sort of an easy uh, prophecy. Uh, I didn't hear many people prophesying that uh, the other mm-hmm. candidate would win on the Christian did you hear any prophecies like that? I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <That's> almost <laughs> consistently for Trump. I found that interesting. Uh, anyways, yeah. yeah, they didn't quite get those right. So Chris Bellaton, he's the chief prophet at Bethel Reading. He issued an apology, uh, an apology after the, you know, the results came back and, and, and Trump didn't win there or at least immediately. And he, he said, I got it wrong, but so many people came after him and said, no, you're, you're saying that too soon because now the right. results, you know, the outcome of the election is still up in the air and it's not known. So he took his apology back and said he'll reissue it, you know, once they uh, determine, uh, you know. Well, I, I thought I thought that was big of him. He, that was big of him to step up and say, I got it wrong. I uh, wasn't here from the Lord. But uh, and then in the same moment, he said, well, that doesn't make me a false prophet. Right. So what is it? What? um it, can a person, can I just say whatever I want? Like th- everything, that, something that's going to happen in the future and just say God did it and then say, ah, you know what? I got it wrong, but that doesn't make me a false prophet. Right, right. So they, a common teaching in this movement is you can be a genuine prophet of God and miss it occasionally. They would say that if you're a true prophet, you shouldn't miss it very often. But, <laughs> but if you have just the gift of prophecy, they would say it's okay to miss it all the time, but if you claim, if you claim uh, to be in the office of prophet, you shouldn't miss it very much. And so that's why Chris Belton said, you know, he realizes it damages his credibility and, and everything. But another thing that's really interesting that I think, um, that has been missed with their view of prophecy in the NER is it's not just, they don't just see prophecies as predicting what God will do in the future. They actually see when they give their prophecies as decrees in many mm-hmm, times, mm-hmm. so that they're actually creating reality by making their prophecy. So that's a different view of prophecy. You got to get your head around that. And I've only recently start been noticing this kind of shift where so when they prophesy that President Trump will win, often what they're doing is they're actually using the word prophesy, but they're making decrees. And that's why Paula White was saying all the, you know, you Christians need to get together and and make decrees or else Trump is not going to win. We got to overturn the results of this election. And it's actually, so they're, they could claim that enough Christians didn't come together and make decrees. And that's why the prophecy didn't happen. Didn't, didn't, didn't come to come to be. Right? right. So we have to like work with as well, sort of like, right. Doesn't that just make you exhausted. I mean, I guess, so you're mm-hmm. on uh, the first, second D uh, disillusionment. What was yeah. it? 
Sorry, so we, we were totally. No, that's okay. Dependency, disillusionment, division. We already talked division. about churches splitting, families splitting, the real, real pain. And um, one father was recently, recently said something, you know, he said, the crazy thing is that um, like he can't even sense it, really gently broach the subject of, of differences with his daughter for fear that it will cause an entire break with the yeah, family yeah. if he even gently broaches the subject and there's something wrong there if you can't even gently broach some doctrinal differences without being fearful that your daughter's just gonna totally break off from your entire family you know and cause a permanent breach wow. so uh, wow. division diminished spiritual growth p- because people are getting caught up in all these teachings and practices that don't have support in scripture trying to learn to work miracles to activate their prophetic gift you know, doing treasure hunting evangelism. They're, they're doing all these things that, that are not found in scripture instead of focusing on true spiritual practices that would really grow them spiritually, like Bible reading, Bible study, prayer, Christian fellowship. You know, these are, this is how spiritual growth occurs, but they're focused on these other things. So, so that's, that's causing them to stay in perpetual spiritual immaturity um, and then finally, the 50 is demonic oppression. I would say through these new age and occultic practices, some Christians are inadvertently opening themselves up to demonic influence um, in their lives. And, and that's actually really scary. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, I think I mentioned it already that um, while I was there, I saw demonic activity. What I can say, I mean, you know, what else can I say? And, and, uh, I would I would play the, the the clip. I took some audio while I was there. I would play you the clip, but it is that disturbing. Truly, truly disturbing. Let's move on a little bit to music. Okay, so the 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 main way that they get in the door, and I find this interesting that Arius, I don't know if you know Arius, um, who, who denied the divinity of Christ and said there was a time when he was not, used music uh, to spread his heretical viewpoint. And that actually, the the term, the, the phrase, there was a time when he was not, was a ditty or was a song that was spread at the time. And uh, so heresies have been spread through music uh, over mm-hmm. the Christian centuries. Uh, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. Do, would you encourage or discourage people from using <clears throat> Bethel music, NAR, other NAR sources, um, let's say IHOP maybe, mm-hmm. um, other NAR type artists or NAR mm-hmm. associated artists? Mm-hmm. What, what would you say in that category? Yes, I would discourage it. And here's why. I think music in the... NAR falls on a spectrum. Um, it, it fall, it's all dangerous, but for different reasons. So on one end of the spectrum, you have music that's explicitly, the lyrics are over the top, NAR. Um, I, I've mentioned before during interviews that I once heard a song that literally the people were singing about the apostles and prophets and thanking God that he was restoring them to the church. That was bizarre. I think it was a Bill Heyman conference, and I've never been able to find the song or lyrics since then, but most of the wow. music that's we worship dangerous. you and adore you prophets and apostles yeah, it was bizarre but but most nar music does not fall you know it's it's not that sure. explicit but that's obviously dangerous 
In the middle, I would say you have a lot of the NAR music where you have a lot of NAR jargon and terminology and buzzwords. Give, a, and give us some of those buzzwords. So I've got a list yeah. here if you, if, if you uh, lack any buzzwords. I've got a bunch. So <laughs> okay, go well, ahead. Buzzwords. So from well, so just an example from a song from the Bethel music song. It's titled "Be Lifted High." There's a line in there: "We will be the generation calling down the rain of heaven." Mm-hmm. And I'm calling down the rain of heaven. That sounds kind of innocuous, but when you know their teachings that we're supposed to call down through our spoken words, our declarations to bring God's kingdom to earth, to bring his physical kingdom to earth, you have dominionism in there. You have declarations in there. Um, they also, there's another song where they talk about the greater things, doing the greater things, which is a reference, of course, to doing greater miracles than Jesus worked. Um, so greater works is a buzzword. Um, um give some of yours that you were yeah thinking. so i've got like outpouring mm-hmm. uh manifest presence manifestations mm-hmm. um i like this one all the time lean in or press in or step in mm-hmm. um yeah, that means we're really pushing in hard you know we're going uh-huh. after god birthing mm-hmm. um I, I thought only women birthed but uh I, apparently mm-hmm. we can all birth something a uh, movement of uh, mm-hmm. uh birth this or that or the other thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what else incubation so all stuff sort of in the birth territory. yeah <laughs> another funny. one is awakening yeah oh. awakening is like you're awakened to kind of this fuller form of christianity that they're espousing you know that yeah. there's more available you know with the miracles and and the learning to work miracles and the apostles Get, and prophets getting and, a download getting a download mm-hmm. territory uh we're going to take over this territory so that's a territorial mm-hmm. spirit sort uh-huh. of your your thing there you uh-huh. said about uh making those prayer walks and stuff like that um portals mm-hmm. heavenly portals i've i've heard all these so in my mm-hmm. research I've heard all these being used from stages in books, etc. They're not just constructs that I've made up. So mm-hmm. they're they're just wild, prophetic, you know, words of mm-hmm. knowledge, etc. So that's a kind of a charismatic thing, words of having a words of knowledge, but uh, God gave me this word, God gave me that word. God, so what it actually does in the end is it deconstructs the authority of scripture because I have a word. So this apostle, we're, we're, uh, we need this apostle to be able to dissect what God is saying to us in this moment, right? The scriptures aren't enough anymore, right? The sufficiency of scripture is not enough. Mm-hmm. We need something extra. We're, we're sitting at the feet of this apostle and prophet for him to parse the word of God. What's God saying in this moment, right? That's why we need to hear about President Trump, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What, you know, is he going to win or not? We're sitting at your feet waiting for you to tell us. Is he going to win? Um, impartation. Mm-hmm. You've talked about in your book the great transfer of wealth. Tell us about that. That's a revelation that prophets in this movement have given for many years that that God will be transferring the wealth of the wicked to the righteous, to this to the people in this movement really so that they will have the wealth that they need to set up God's kingdom on earth because it takes wealth to set up a kingdom. How can I get in on that? <laughs> I think I'd like a piece of that action. Uh, well, it, you you have to follow the apostles and prophets like everything ooh, else. If, if right, you're I under a, their covering, under their covering, right. then that, that trickles down to you. 
I need some apostolic covering. So I'm going to go look for that when we're done. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of things. Kairos moment, revelation. So, I mean, just even to use the term revelation, I'm getting a revelation for God or downloads. I'm getting downloads from God. Oh, that's so difficult because it just minimizes the authority of scripture. Right. Um, and- what do you think about that? Yeah, and it, there's a key doctrine in this movement, the doctrine of prophetic illumination. And this is the idea that prophets and apostles, God will give them an understanding of scripture that no one has ever had in the history of the church, or at least maybe the first generation of Christians did, but it's been lost. And God's restoring it by giving illumination to an apostle and prophet. And um, and so a danger of that, of course, is Christians, you know, feel like, when they leave this movement that they can no longer trust their own reading of the Bible, which is a really sad consequence of this movement because they've had apostles and prophets tell them what all these verses mean. And if, if you just read those verses, you, you would never come to that on your own. You need an apostle or prophet to tell you that. And so they don't trust themselves anymore to read or understand scripture. It's got to be hard to come out of this movement and actually just trust a pastor who's actually mm-hmm. preaching exegetically through the scriptures. He's mm-hmm. he's just commenting on scripture and 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 maybe taking just Matthew Henry out. It's a common understanding of the scripture. People say like, wait, I didn't, you know, my my apostle didn't say that, so they must be people must be super confused. Have you experienced that? Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I was contacted by a woman just maybe a week ago, a week or two ago, who since she realized, she just realized she grew up in NAR churches. She never knew she was in NAR because she grew up as from a small child in these churches. And she, she just realized how deceived she's been. And she said she had had about three days of just despair, almost feeling like sick to her stomach, mm. not knowing what to do. Um, she doesn't trust herself to read the Bible anymore. Um, and and, you know, and so I can't tell you the number of people who contacted me asking if I know of NAR recovery groups. And there wow. actually are NAR recovery groups. There's a number of them on Facebook. And um, wow. I mean, what other, you know, churches you go to where the people leaving say, I need to join a recovery group because I, I, and I need to rebuild my faith. Well, I was in a Baptist recovery group one time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh Presbyterian Recovery Group Baptist I don't think that's absolutely necessary usually but oh wow this is so sad you know and I I get the same thing I get people reaching out to me all the time who've come mm-hmm. out of the movement um I I, I get, have have my book it got handed to a buddy of mine in Berlin now he's a buddy mm-hmm. now but uh had come out watching as well the American Gospel film Mm-hmm. Um, and was open, wait a minute, something's not right here. What is going on? You know, and then mm-hmm. got a hold of my book and said, This is what I've believed. I believe these things. Mm-hmm. And these, this is why they stand in opposition to scripture. So just so glad for your work, for others' works. Um, and so for our purposes as entrepreneurs, uh, hopefully, my hope is to reach all pastors, youth pastors, elders, other church leaders. Um, what can churches do to mark and avoid, as Paul tells us in Romans 16, 17, and stay relevant and effective in their current, this current Christian climate, let's say. Yeah, I mean, maybe I can speak more to the mark and avoid, you know, I'm not a church mm-hmm. leader myself and or an, an expert like you in, um, I guess, 
staying relevant <laughs> and <laughs> as a church leader and you know these church leader type of issues is not are not my area but i would say you know you quoted romans 16 17 i believe where yep. um paul says i appeal to your brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught avoid them in this translation or mark and avoid them Right. And I think what's noteworthy about that verse, you know, is Paul is saying, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Critics of this movement are often accused of being divisive. We're the divisive right. ones. I but, actually heard that. Yeah, you guys were on Remnant yeah. Radio and, and Doug said, uh, you know, we're accused of being <laughs> the dividers. Divisive, and, but they're yeah. the ones that have introduced these yep. aberrant spiritual teachings that do not have support in Scripture yeah. And, and they've introduced these teachings. They're, they're new teachings, new practices. Yeah. And those are, that's, what's creating the division. And, right. um, and so, um, you know, I think, I think that might um, embolden maybe some people, pastors or leaders to feel like they're not causing division. They're not the ones causing division. If they speak up and about this movement and warn about this movement, that it's the right. others. When you call a spade a spade, you're not being the divider. Uh, when you when it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, etc., it's probably a duck. And you're not being a divider saying, hey, we should avoid these sort of teachings. And, so, and there's a lot leader, of... Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I was just saying ahead, there's so much scripture, so many warnings uh, throughout all of the Bible, but from Jesus and the apostles about being on guard against false teaching, dangerous teachings. Um, right now, let me let me ask you this question here. I didn't have it on my list, but there's this sort of this prevailing thought in in the current evangelical landscape. Don't name names. Mm -hmm. Don't um, call anybody out. Don't say Bill. We've said Bill Johnson and several other names in this podcast. We're you know we're say, mm -hmm. we're the ones dividing, like you said. What um, does that square with New Testament? What? What do you think about that? No, no um, and I read an article about this on my blog, but, um, you know, they'll, um, they'll, they'll often say, you know, it's people say it's wrong to name names, that you're supposed to go to your brother first if you Matthew have something 18. against. Right, yeah. do it just privately between you and him. You shouldn't go public. That's That context of that verse in Matthew is dealing with private sin that maybe uh, brothers and sisters have. Thank have. you. It's not, it's not dealing with public <laughs> false teaching that public teaching has to be uh, uh, called out publicly because there's no other way to address it. Um, you know, I can't, if I go to Bill Johnson privately and just have a private conversation with him, he's written tons and tons of books and put out all the speaking that has to be addressed publicly because he's put right. it out publicly. And sometimes there's an assumption by people too. I think they say, well, you can't talk about these leaders unless you go and talk to them privately first. First of all, there's an assumption that that hasn't been done, which exactly. I did. Always... I tried. I tried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah, sent so... my whole manuscript to Bill Johnson and his uh, assistant sent it back to me saying, yeah, he, he has no reason to, uh, to recant any of those statements. I sent him all the Christological statements. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that has been done. I know it's being done and it's still being done. You're doing right. it. I'm doing it. Other critics are approaching these people. They are mm -hmm. not willing to play ball. I'm just, I'll just tell our and audience I, that today. And I will say that Mike Bickle did, uh, Doug and I had a lengthy meeting with Mike Bickle that mm -hmm. he did um, grant us. 
And so we appreciated that. And it was, you know, a good two hour meeting, I think, uh, where we were able to have it a real in depth, but, but many of these leaders do, uh, will not allow the conversations or have the conversations too. So it's not for lack of trying. Exactly. So we are running to the end of our time here. I don't want to keep you much longer. You've given us been so uh, kind to give us this time here. Um, why is this necessary? What? Uh, wh- why is this topic even uh, necessary to approach? What? Give us your take on that. Well, uh, the New Apostolic Reformation is that it's it's fast growing. It is taking over churches worldwide, um, and so it has to be addressed. Uh, a lot of people don't even realize it exists, and so church uh, people and i would encourage like pastors or anyone who has that influence to educate their churchgoers about this movement to to um people need to just know this movement exists to have awareness of it because so many people once they read our books or read your book they suddenly go oh i i totally know this movement has been around me the whole time i know my friends are part of this my family's a part of this i just didn't have a label for it and now i know what it is and so just an ed- education alone is really, really important Helpful. because so, it's going, so, yeah. I, I, it, it, this is a movement and it's going to take a movement to counteract a movement. And right. what's encouraging is to see the movement of people like you and us and Mike Winger and, and all yes. of these people who are speaking up and warning people is growing and, and that will have exactly. an effect. Why is this necessary topic to approach? Mm-hmm. Will or could this actually get us anywhere? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it can get us anywhere, what in your estimation should happen mm-hmm. uh, to get us somewhere? Well, I will say all of this warning people about this movement has gotten us somewhere. I mean, more and more people are definitely know about this movement now. Um, even the Gospel Coalition has published multiple right. articles warning about it. So there is greater awareness happening. And there are many people who are saying uh, they have come out of this movement. So people are having their eyes open. They are coming out. Um, and you know, honestly, I, uh, I do believe the Bible says that Jesus taught that there would be many false prophets. Uh, I believe the Bible teaches that as you get closer to the end times, there will be greater apostasy. There will be more and more people falling for false teachings. So the truth is, I do think that, uh, many, many people sadly will stay in false teaching and will stay blinded and deceived, but there are definitely those who are having their eyes open and you are coming out of the movement. And it's for those people that it's really important that, that we keep going on. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Any uh, last words of encouragement as mm-hmm. well to our yeah, pastors mm-hmm. listening, elders, theological students? Mm-hmm. Um, just give a few scriptures maybe yeah. and a last word of encouragement. Yeah, well, just one verse uh, that comes to mind. Um, Acts 17, 11, um, it, it says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So you have the Jews in Berea. The Apostle Paul came to them, and they weren't sure if what the Apostle Paul said was true or not. They wanted to make sure it lined up with scripture. So even if the Apostle Paul had to be put to the test, if his words, if the teachings he brought had to line up with scripture, how much more so? Should we put to test the words of anyone today who would claim to be an apostle or a prophet and and to feel not only um, that not only should we do that, but but encourage that that the Bereans were actually commended for for being noble because they, they made sure 
these teachings lined up with scripture. So we need to follow his, you know, follow their practice. Look at that, Holly. You got the scripture and the encouragement right in one. Let's be Bereans. <laughs> Let's look at the scriptures. Let's hold to the authority of scripture, sola scriptura, what the great reformers uh, found again. Thanks so much. You just brought it to the point. So, Holly, before we leave you, before we say goodbye, tell us where we can find you, where we can find the books, yeah. etc. So the books are available on Amazon or, you know, wherever else, uh, Barnes & Noble, you want to buy the books. Um, and I have a website. It's hollypivic.com, H-O-L-L-Y-P-I-V-E-C. And... Um, at hollypivot.com, I have tons of blog articles I've been writing over like 17 years. Um, and so you can go in the search feature and look up many, many topics and find articles about that particular leader or any our leader or church or topic. Great. So I highly recommend go get that book. Go click on Amazon right now and just buy the Kindle version. That's what I've got. I've got both of those on Kindle. Just go do it. Uh, it's a must, must read. If you're interested in this movement, maybe if you're in the movement, you feel like, wow, what Holly described today is what I'm in. Uh, maybe I need to go inform myself and go get that book right away. My guest today has been Holly Pivick. Um, she's the author of A New Apostolic Reformation, A Biblical Response to a Worldwide Movement with Doug Guyvett, and also co-authored God's Super Apostles, Encountering the Worldwide Prophets and Apostles Movement. Thanks so much, Holly, for being with us today. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Richard. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Churchpreneur's Podcast. You can find out more information at my website at richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at richardpmore23 if you do that kind of thing. Um, you can also email us at churchpreneurs at gmail.com. It's like church and entrepreneurs smashed together <laughs> in a Caesar salad. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any comments or questions, please reach out on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care. All right. I, I can't avoid my youth pastor. No, no, it's cool. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? It's great. <laughs> Thank you.